Welcome to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis by mailing a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. And you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, we continue our celebration of 110 years since Bob Bailey's birth with a newly circulated episode of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, these come from the later half-hour episodes, and I probably should put half-hour in quotes since these episodes are missing the commercials and the closing credits, and a few other little bits, so we have quite a bit less than half an hour to bring you. Both of these programs come from 1958, and so we'll eventually play them on the podcast in their proper order, but in celebrating Bob Bailey, I really think it's appropriate just to let folks hear a performance they'd never heard before, so I hope you enjoy this, the original air date, is January 26, 1958, and the title is The Fire in Paradise Matter. Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Hi, this is Fred Haney, Fourth State Fire and Casualty. Oh, hiya, Fred. Got a free day on your schedule for a pretty routine case? Sure. Want to see me in your office? Johnny, I want to see you in paradise. Funny. Well, I'll see you in, what'd you say? Paradise. Paradise, New Jersey. Well, where the, where in, where is it? About 50 miles south of Philadelphia, about 50 miles west of Atlantic City. So if you take a train down to Philly. Or a plane. Oh, you and your fancy expensive out. Okay, if you take a plane to Philly, you can rent a car there. And just what am I supposed to do in Paradise? Find out how much accident insurance we have to pay to one Joshua Trimming. Who's he? Probably the most finicky, penny-pinching client we have. Hurt in the fire that destroyed his home. The home insured, too? Yeah, but okaying the payment on that'll be just routine. Routine, huh? When somebody talks like that, I get suspicious. I assure you, Johnny, that except perhaps for Joshua himself, this is just routine. Yeah? I wonder. Bob Bailey, in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Four State Fire and Casualty Insurance Company Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the fire in Paradise matter. Expense account item one, eighteen dollars and a quarter, plane fare and incidentals, Hartford to Philadelphia. Item two, fifty dollars, deposit on a drive your own car. Item three, a dollar and a half for road maps in New Jersey. 
On the third one, I managed to locate the little town of Paradise, so I hit the highway. The flat, sandy plains of South Jersey look pretty bare, almost unfriendly at this time of year. I miss the color, the lush green farms, the blossoming peach and apple orchards that make it so attractive during the summer months. By dint of losing my way a couple of times, however, I found color in the names of some of the towns I passed through. Mullica Hill, Deertown, Pole Tavern, Deerfield Street, Elmer, and Shirley. Paradise was a tiny shopping center in the midst of farmland, a short main street with a handful of stores. At the Mobile gas station, I asked where I might find the sheriff. Standing right here in front of you, mister. Sheriff Luther Hopkins. Oh, well, Sheriff, my name is... Just call me Luke. Everybody else does. Okay, Luke. My name is Johnny Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. Oh, I know you, Johnny. Uh-huh. You, uh, must be on account of Joshua Trimming. Yeah, that's right. I understand his home burned down and he was injured in the process. Yeah, he lost his home all right, the whole kit and caboodle. But he wasn't badly hurt. Well, it's a matter how you look at it and how well you know the old... How well you know Joshua. What do you mean? Well, he was hurt all right, but... How bad is something else again? Just what happened, Luke? Look there, Johnny. Over there beyond the Hartzell's general store. Yeah. Oh, I see. Is that the remains of Mr. Turning's house? Now, that's not much more than a couple of city blocks from here, is it? That's it. That's about right. And I was working Friday night here at the gas station. Late. So what happened? Johnny, I was looking right at Joshua's house, wondering why he'd gone to bed so early. The only light on was in his bedroom upstairs. I see. Well, sir, that fire started pretty fast, I'll grant you that. Just bing, and the whole parlor was blazing. Oh? But the point is, being a fire marshal, too, I hit the siren, and in less than two, three minutes, me and the volunteers and the chemical truck was over there hosing it down. What, would he wait for us? Oh. Oh, fool, he had to jump out of his bedroom window and get all banged up. Well, I don't see exactly... Johnny, if you ask me, it was just quick thinking on that old chiseler's part to get some more insurance money. Huh? Sure. Even if we got the fire out in time to save his place, well, at least he'd be sure to collect something on his accident insurance. Yeah, he just like him. You, uh, don't like Joshua coming very well, do you? Why do you say that? Well, you say you and the volunteer fire company got there within two or three minutes from the time the fire started. Four at the most. All right. Well, chemical trucks right here back at the station. But you didn't save Joshua Trimming's house. Why not, Louis? Well, they... Because it went up so fast, that's all. How'd the fire start, you know? Well, probably that old heater he had down in the parlor. You sure? Well, what else? That's where the blaze started. I could see it. You don't like Joshua Turner. I make no bones about it. The tight-fisted old... But look, he's the only man in paradise that doesn't work for a living. He's retired. But does he spend his money here? No, sir. He even goes over to Salem or Bridgeton to buy his groceries. So he has saved himself a couple of pennies. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dollar. Well? You saying you think maybe I let his place burn down? Is that what you mean? I didn't say that, Lou. But that's what you meant. It could be a possibility, couldn't it? All right. Look, I could run you out of town, Johnny. I've got the authority. Don't you forget that. Where'll I find Joshua, sir? Over at Joe Pasquale's place, about a mile down the road toward Cohansey. But now look here. Oh, stop worrying, Luke. I just want to see about his injuries and if he has any better ideas about how the fire may have started. Johnny, if you remember what I said... About not being able to get that fire out? No. About maybe running you out of town. You know, if you were to talk to the police like that, Luke... I am the police. <laughs> well, you've certainly built up a nice case against yourself. I'll see you later. Driving to the Pasquale farm meant passing what was left of Joshua Turning's house. Instead of passing, I stopped. 
From the insurance standpoint, it was pretty much a total loss. But enough of the frame was standing to reveal some rather interesting things. Could the sheriff, fire chief, Luke Hopkins, have overlooked them? Or was he just being very careful not to call attention to them? I wondered. Joshua Turney. He's up in his room with the doctor. Dr. Morey, when the doctor leaves, you see him. Come in. Oh, thanks. You sit down. All right. You like a little glass of wine, a real genuine California wine? Well, uh, fine, but a little later. Mrs. Pasquale. Huh? I take it Mr. Trimmings is boarding with you. What else can I do? He loan us the money for the seeds, for the fertilizer. And when he says he's going to stay here, what can I do? Maybe I feed him you and take off some of the big charges he can make for the money we get. My husband is a big fool to borrow from Joshua Trimmings. Well, I take it all so you don't like it. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. Hey, tell me something. Did he and Sheriff Hopkins ever have any trouble? Uh, all the time. Always a big fight. He keeps his place such a mess. No fix of the fences. No pain at the house. His place make our town look like a dump. Well, that's hardly any reason. All the money he makes is from his loaning to the people. Sheriff Luke, he gets really mad about that. About how much does he charge? Ten percent. Twenty percent. That's too much. Well, usury is a pretty serious thing, Mr. Pasquale. So how are you going to prove? Nothing is ever put on the paper. Sheriff Luke, tell him he's going to get him out of town. Seems to me I've heard something like that before. One way or the other, he's going to get him out of... What did you say? Mm, nothing. Oh, here comes the doctor. I go back.
A hard man to get along with. That's Sheriff Luke. There's a man really suffers with him. Oh? What do you mean? Oh, the demands Joshua made. Calls him all hours of the night. Thinks he hears prowlers. Wants Luke to do something about it. Wants Luke to clear up the trash around his place. His own trash. Wants the dirt road sprinkled every day during the summer. Raises cane with Luke about, oh, about a million inconsequential things. Yeah, the sheriff's pretty well fed up with him. Even as you are. Even as we all are. And Luke isn't the man to fool with. About the fire, Doctor. Yes? Well, I'm no expert, but a couple of things I saw over there made me wonder. Yeah. The house burned up in an awful hurry, I'll say that. It looked to me as though the blaze must have started in not one, but several places simultaneously. Oh, that's so? Of course, if there was a gas leak somewhere downstairs, something like no, that. No, 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 he didn't use gas. It was too expensive. Out back in the kitchen, he used a coal oil range. Had a pot-bellied coal stove in the living room for heat. But even if that stove was in poor condition... Uh, which it wasn't. You're... You're thinking that maybe someone burned him out, aren't you, Mr. Dollar? Who, oh, Doctor? Hmm. Almost anybody in town would be glad to see him go. Especially Luke Hopkins. Yes, especially. Oh, just a minute. Wow. I've known Luke for over 20 years. He's a good man, an honest man. Has a tremendous sense of duty to the people of his town. He knows he doesn't like. That includes Joshua Trimmings? That includes Joshua. So if you think for one minute... A man's patience can sometimes be pushed only so far, Doctor. No, no, Mr. Dollar, you're wrong. Dead wrong. Why, I myself would be more likely to... Well, if I had a real cause, that is, I'd... You better be careful, Doctor. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. Sure. I think I'll take another look at the place before I talk further with Mr. Trimming. Well, then you better hurry. It's getting late and it looks like we're going to have some rain. Yeah. You'll, uh, be around, won't you, Doctor? Yes, I'll be at my... You don't seriously suspect me, I hope. That is, if you do find real evidence of arson. Should I? Item four, 26 cents for a loaf of bread at the general store in the hope of using it as a test for traces of kerosene. But it was raining cats and dogs by the time I got back to the ruins of Trimming's home. Not good. Rain obliterates signs of arson as much as fire itself. I parked my car up by the mailbox poked around for a few minutes, but got nowhere. By now, it was so dark that going back to the car, I ran into the mailbox. Almost on a hunch, I opened it. I took out the contents. And then, stooped over the headlights of my car, I carefully read a couple of the letters. From the telephone company, the electric company, just routine letters. But to me, a definite sign that Trimming's home had been burned down deliberately. The first real clue I had. And not a pretty one. Account item five, ninety cents. Person to person call to Fred Haney in Hartford from Sheriff Luke Hopkins' filling station. I saw your headlights, Johnny, over there where Josh Trimmons' house was. Yeah, and I found something there, Luke. That... Hello, Fred. Johnny Dollar. Yeah. Yeah, well, just one thing. What business was he in? Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. Yeah, well, then this wasn't the first. Okay. Okay. You say you, you found something over at Trimmons' place? Something that indicates pretty clearly that the fire was set. And listen, Luke. No, now, now you listen, Johnny. My job is to enforce the law around here, not break it. Yeah? Okay, we'll see just how much you mean that. Come on. 
call on a cheerful look, you come in out of the rain. You're all wet. I poured you a nice glass of wine. Yeah, well, maybe later, Mrs. Pasquale. Yeah, there never even anything, man. The way you walked out of here with that Dr. Murray and it, oh, oh. Oh, dear, my poor leg. I'm an insurance investigator, Mr. Trimming. I know it. I've been investigating. Uh-huh. Then you come back here to approve the insurance payment for my injury. I've been investigating the fire at your home. I'm convinced that it was arson, that it was carefully, deliberately set. Then get this no-good sheriff here to do something. You mean he did it? Now, look here, John. Yes, of course he did. He's been threatening for years to get me out of this town one way or another. Ain't that true, sheriff? Well, yeah, in a way. Well, yeah, in a way. Ha! He not only set the fire, but he let my house burn down. Is that what you found out, Mr. Dollar? I understand he and the volunteers got there within a few minutes after it started. Oh, sure, they got there fast enough. Probably to cover up for his starting the fire. He got there so fast, why, don't you see? If he hadn't known it was going to go up. Yeah, I thought of that. Uh, golly, I'll be so glad when I collect my insurance and get well enough away from people like him. By golly, I... I want you both to listen to me for a minute. Sure, sure go right ahead. Mr. Trimming... Did you pick up the mail for your mailbox on Friday? What? What? No, I don't believe it did. I'm sure you were too busy to. What? Ask any big city cop in the arson squad who runs up against this sort of thing all the time. What? And he'll tell you that when he sees unpaid bills for water, electricity, telephone lying around, it's one of the sure signs of planned arson. After all, why bother paying the bills if you're going to burn up the place? His mailbox? Yeah. Last warnings, and unless he paid his bills to the phone company, the... Now, here, that, that, that tampering with the United States mail. Look, Mr. Trummings was in the doll business before he came here. Yes, that's where I made the money to retire. What he retired on was the insurance he collected when his plant burned up. Ah, he made little celluloid dolls, cupies, that sort of thing. And if anybody knows about the inflammability of celluloid, I see. Picture this, Luke. Long strips of celluloid laid to the corners of his living room from a central point. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of each guy. one, a rag, or maybe just a carpet soaked with gasoline. Not enough to leave a trace, but enough to start the fire. But I don't see... What... At the center, on top of the celluloid strip, a short-lighted candle. Oh, uh-huh. When it burned down to the celluloid, bang, the whole place was on fire. Meanwhile... I'll be damned. Meanwhile, he had plenty of time to go upstairs, stay there with the lights on. Perfect alibi. You saw him up there when the fire started, Luke, so you backed up his alibi. I had no idea. Yeah? That fire was as faked as the injury to his leg he's trying to collect on. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I thought you couldn't stand up. Since you found proof of how I did it. So go ahead and ask me, Luke. Proof? I didn't have one shred of it, Trimming. What? That was all guesswork. You mean I... Yep. You just talked yourself out of a lot of insurance money. In front of witnesses, Josh. And probably into a nice long prison term. Oh, no. Oh, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> Try sprinkling a little on Mr. Trimming. Maybe he'll come, too. He did, and he went quietly. And I'm sure his confession will stand up in court when you take whatever legal action is necessary. And, as long as I've saved the company a big pile of dough... Expense account total, including incidentals, a weekend in Atlantic City, incidentals, fare back to Hartford and incidentals, $241.28. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
Welcome back. Even though we don't have the closing credits, thanks once again to the invaluable work of John Abbott in the Who is Johnny Dollar Matter Volume 2, we have the information that was in the closing credits. Uh, the story starred Victor Perrin, Forrest Lewis, Virginia Gregg, Will Wright, and Parley Bear. The script was written by Jack Johnstone, and it's a decent script for Johnstone. Now, it's true that there's no real clever clue that nails are fraudster, but you manage to get a few suspects in and possible ways that this could turn out. So, given the limited time he had to tell the story, Johnstone chose to give us more misdirection, character, and depth, even if he had to take a shortcut on the resolution. I do think that for Luther being innocent and supposedly being a good sheriff who took his job and his duty seriously, having him threaten to run Johnny out of town is kind of counterproductive. If you want to say someone is a hardworking public servant, maybe don't have them start issuing threats to outsiders like some despot of old when an investigator starts asking questions. Also, I'm pretty sure that he couldn't really run Johnny out of town, at least not that far. I mean, this is New Jersey, not the Old West. Johnny just needs to get to a diner somewhere and call the state police, not ride a stagecoach to the state capitol. But other than that, it was a good episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Max, Patreon supporter since November 2015, currently supporting the program at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Max. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. If you are enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. Next Saturday, Tales of the Texas Rangers returns. But join us back here tomorrow for another self-contained Johnny Dollar adventure where... Okay, now listen, I think I know what you're going to say. Sure, you're going to jump to the same conclusion I did. That with the way they haven't been getting along, with all he has to gain if he's put out of the way... It is a possibility. As for this note... Yeah, it's his handwriting, all right. Check. But it could have been written any time in the last 15 years about any kind of fish. So it all adds up, doesn't it? She knocked him off. Nobody else in town saw him around when he was supposed to be here in April. So she may have done it any time since he left in February. So was supposed to have left. All of which can't be proved, however, until you find his body. Plus proof that she did it. Make it a lot easier for us if you did. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.